Okay, let's get it. Let's get it started. Let's just get right into it. All right, let's go. Let's um, start the podcast. All right, so I'm Carly and I'm Harry, and this is Known Unknowns. Yep. 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 And we're here today yep. to talk to you about some stuff. All kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff. Um, anything new? Um, <laughs> what new is there this new? Week? I feel like I was thinking of stuff. Uh, the other, like yesterday, I don't know, a couple days ago, there was stuff that I was thinking about that I was like, oh, I should talk about that on the podcast, but no, I can't remember it. Mm. Um, Did you change the settings on the mic? Yeah. So it's on the right one? Yeah, it's on the right settings. All right. I'm keeping it in. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, Yeah, I don't think I have anything to discuss. Um, it's pretty boring mm-hmm. over here. Yeah, we're still... Still on lockdown. Still on shelter in shelter place. In place. Yeah. I could read some uh, listener mail. Okay. Um, I want that. Okay. Uh, do you remember? Okay. Well, from the, this is from Emma in Milwaukee. Okay. A total stranger <laughs> total who happens stranger. to listen to the podcast. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and so... Uh, she says, she uh, Emma wrote in a couple weeks ago. Um, a couple weeks? Actually, and you're no, just now was, getting to it? Uh, no, it was actually just a little over a week ago. Okay. I, for, I forgot about it last episode. Anyway, uh, she says, I was just listening to Abe and Babe. Um, Abe and Babe! I guess in that episode, the word, we were talking about, we were talking about the word gang and how that has like German, well, it comes from german is like the german word for walk or something yeah she knows about german (laughs) right uh yeah so she's and then i said something about like i wonder if the term like gangway comes from german or something yeah um uh, so she says gangway is gangway comes from an old english word which is germanic um, German and English are both descended from a Germanic language, but English is not descended from German. So, like, uh, German and English both descended from the same language. Oh. Anyway, um, so gangway co- is, comes from the Germanic word, um, basically gehen, G-E-H-E-N. Gehen is the, basically gehen is the German, German verb for to go. And so that is the cognate for gang. And the reason doppelganger has an umlaut and gangway doesn't mm. has to do with when the word was adopted into our language. Um, gangweg may have may have had an umlaut at one point, but those were eliminated in English before we got to modern English. So gangway comes from the term gangweg, gangweg. which was an old English word, which um, I guess has roots in German. Or similar roots as the German word gang. They both have words in the word gehen. That's good. You really struggled to read that. Are you okay? I just wanted to, (laughs) yeah, I was trying to, uh, I don't know, figure out. I didn't didn't remember exactly what uh, we were talking about in that episode. So I was trying at the same time to remember. Well, I smell beer on your breath. So I'm like, how much have you had? Are you struggling? I've had one beer. <laughs> I don't know. 
I've been in here doing research <laughs> in the bedroom. You've been out. You've been out in the living room doing research. <laughs> I hope. Uh, anyway, so thank you, Emma, for Thanks, that Emma. explanation of where the word gangway comes from, and other. Yeah. And other listeners, you are free to write in as well if you would like to explain the etymology of any words we talk about to us. Yeah, you can message us on Instagram. You can message us on Twitter. You can message us on Facebook. You can email us at knownunknownspodcast at gmail.com. That's right. And You can contact us through, through the our, Contact Us page on our website. On our website. And through that, you can also subscribe. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you happen to have either of our uh, email, personal emails or, or phone, phone numbers, numbers you, can you can text me, email me, whatever. Yeah, but we're more likely to talk about it on the podcast if you contact us through one of those uh, platforms. If you contact us yes. through the podcast. You mispronounced a word once. Oh, yeah? And Izzy told me that it was really funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was... Um, do you remember it? I don't. I don't remember the word. Uh, it was it a county in Wisconsin or a yeah, town in Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's pronounced Waukesha, and you said Waukesha. Yeah, I said yeah. <laughs> Waukesha. Yeah, I you said, probably said Waukesha. Yeah, I said Waukesha. We were it's talking Waukesha, about this. Waukesha, not Waukesha. Yeah, we it about- looks like Waukesha. It does not look like Waukesha. Uh, well, if but I'd you probably already... said Waukesha. I'd probably say Waukesha. Yeah, when we were talking about the Slenderman stabbings, or stabbing. Yeah, I said Waukesha, Wisconsin. Waukesha. Waukesha. <laughs> That's goofy. Because I'm a dang fool. A dang fool. Uh, anything you wanted to talk about? No, my birthday is on Friday. <laughs> Okay. So that's cool. Um, right? Yeah. You were just like, ha, ha, ha. Okay. Sorry. I was also looking at something else, so uh-huh. I didn't. But yeah, Carly's birthday is on Friday, so you should- uh, Send me gifts. Send her gifts. Send <laughs> me um, gift suggestions. What? You should have had these ordered by now. They're not going to come in on time. <laughs> send me gifts if you, you know- Gifts or gifts? G-I-F-T-S. Oh, okay. Gifts. Not, I, but you can also send me a little gif, a happy birthday gif. <laughs> That's fine, too. Yeah, they don't really know where to send it, uh, and I'm not going to give you my address. So, you know, if you want it, uh-huh. if you really want to send me a present, one time my roommate my freshman year said, hey, can I have your address to send you a present? And then she <laughs> stole my debit card information and bought diet pills with them. She needed my billing address. That's why she asked for my address. Mm-hmm. And that gift never came. It wasn't a real gift, guys. It wasn't a real gift. <laughs> she needed my billing address so she could steal my debit card. Yeah. Number. <laughs> So that's cool. That is cool. Uh, so I will be very um, not wanting to give out my address anymore. 
<laughs> to strangers. <laughs> well, don't, yeah. That's a good idea. Uh, we need a P.O. box. If we got a P.O. box, would you guys send us gifts? <laughs> I feel like on big podcasts, you hear about how they get a P.O. box, and then they're like, let's unbox gifts for our, like, let's talk about the gifts we got. And I'm like, man, I want gifts. <laughs> People to make us stuff and send yeah. it. Whatever. My mom's sending us uh, masks, COVID masks. Yeah, that, that's, that's a, not podcast I guess that's not, not because of the podcast. And it's your mom. We talk about. Parents don't count. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> well, if anyone else wants to send us masks, um, DM us. <laughs> Yeah. So what Harry and I do now for a job is we deliver food on Postmates and DoorDash. Mm -hmm. So we come into contact with many people. Yes. We are delivering food. And now we are coming into contact with you through the medium of radio. Yeah, so you should probably wear a mask. Yeah, probably TBH. Yeah, wear a mask while you're listening to this. Wipe down your phone after. Whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are you guys staying inside? I hope so. <laughs> if you can, yeah, stay inside. I saw a uh, a quote earlier about the coronavirus um, that I just want that I wanted to share. Okay, it's from um, share it. Well, okay, so uh, Pat Robertson has um, uh, weighed in on where he thinks the uh, what he thinks the cause of the coronavirus is. Uh, if you don't know Pat Robertson, he is an American media mogul, televangelist, political commentator, former Republican presidential candidate, and former Southern Baptist minister. He's oh, one of the, he's a, not a good guy. Yeah, he's a, he's a televangelist shithead. Oh God. Okay. Uh, anyway, so his take on the COVID or the Rona, as <laughs> the they say. Wait, wait, wait. Pause. By the Taco Bell by our apartment <laughs> had a sign on the on its door that said, "We are only open for deliveries due to the Rona." <laughs> and then the next day, it was taken down, and they reprinted the sign to say "Coronavirus," and then in parentheses, "COVID nineteen." <laughs> yeah. <was> so funny. <laughs> I like the old sign better. I like due to the Rona. But yeah. Whatever. I think they probably got in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Anyway, so during an appearance on the 700 Club, uh, Robertson said, um, uh, he's, uh, so his quote is, some of these young'uns are doing all kinds of unnatural things with their sex organs, said Robertson. What? When people do that, they transfer all kinds of chemicals from <gasps> ladies' private parts, and that's where I think the virus came from. We never had this kind of... <laughs> we never had... <laughs> <laughs> we never had this kind of thing when I was growing up, but no one was committing oral sex back then. Uh, Robertson previously oh, blamed. <laughs> Robertson previously blamed 9/11 on witches and lesbians. <laughs> which I think is uh, worth looking so into. So he thinks this coronavirus is uh, an STI. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just where it came from. Okay. Sex? <laughs> yeah, oral sex specifically. Oral sex. Doing unnatural things with their <laughs> it's, it's too good. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah. That was definitely worth the read. Okay, good. Okay. That's, um, that's really good. Whew, okay. Well, okay, are uh, we ready to get into this week's um, content? I think so. I think we're ready. 
Um, I'm going first, right? Yeah, because I went first. No, you went. F- no, I went first last time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I have, I have a topic that I think you're going to and maybe find interesting. Who me or the people uh, we're talking to? Well, hopefully the people we're talking to. But I was, um, I was thinking about you. Oh, cool. Okay, so if you could come up a little uh, closer sorry. to the mic here, please, it's, sir. It's a, my my thing has it's got parades. I love I parades. Love. I love parades. Yeah, that's why I led with that one. Great. It's got lavish galas, weird costumes. I've always wanted to go to a gala. Secret societies, yes. racism, labor oh, struggle, no. and romantic poetry. Yes, <laughs> I love all of this stuff. I don't love racism or labor, whatever that was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Any kind of labor, really. <laughs> no oh, labor. Okay. <laughs> I was I was not like I was like the workers' struggle, like you. Oh, is that what you said? I think yeah, you said I said labor, labor struggle. Oh, that's what I meant. Uh, but anyway, move. Okay, so All I'm right. talking about the veiled prophet ball. Okay, I don't know anything about this. Yeah, so. but it sounds cool, doesn't it? It does. It sounds cool. It's or I'm excited to hear. Maybe creepy. Yeah, no, I'm. This sounds uh, good. So it's an annual. Um, it's an annual like cotillion type, uh, debutante ball, held every year in St. Louis, um, in St. Louis, Missouri, and it's a big. It's a pretty big deal there. It used to be. Like on TV every year and stuff. Oh. Uh, it was started in 1878 oh, by gosh. a group who called themselves the Veiled Prophet Organization, or I think you, they used to be uh, the Order of the Veiled Prophet or something, <laughs> uh, which is made up of business and political elites in St. Louis. Oh, ew. Um, so each year, one member of the Veiled Prophet Organization is Chosen to serve as the veiled prophet of Khorasan. So, like, they crown a king and queen? (laughs) (laughs) Sort of. Uh, They have, so they pick this one, like, old white guy to, like, put on this big, like, lavish costume with, like, and they put, like, a veil over their face so you can't tell who it is. Uh, And he he presides over the veiled prophet's ball. And then at this ball, uh, five debutantes um, who, are all, who all attend by invitation only are chosen by a secret process to make up the Veiled Prophet's Court of Honor. Uh, and then one of the young women is chosen to be crowned the Queen of Love and Beauty. See, King and Queen, I said it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, but Love they're chosen by the Veiled Prophet, with whom she then dances a royal quadrille. Um uh, before being presented with an expensive keepsake such as a tiara or pearls, the invitation process for the ball guests or and the debutantes is kept secret. So this is just for St. Louis. Yeah, it's elites. just a St. St. Louis. Uh, yeah, people who this are members political elites. Yeah, people who are members of the Veiled Prophet organization. Five of them have their daughters. Um, who are, I guess, like, candidates for... Um, this is gross. The, uh, this is like a weird... Thing, and then one is chosen to be the um, the queen of love and beauty by the veiled prophet of Khorasan. 
<laughs> Do they have like a red carpet event before this? Uh, it's a, it's a it's like the Met Gala kind of. You just invite like popular people, kind of. Yeah, and it's then like you walk a red carpet, and then I don't really know what happens after that. Uh huh. So it <laughs> used to be. Well, it's it's still a, like a really big like. It's oh, like they social still do event. this? Yeah, yeah. It do still they goes still on crown a queen of love and beauty? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this and they gross. still have someone gr- dress up as the veiled prophet no, every year. No, 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 no. <laughs> I thought maybe you would have said it changed by now a little bit. No, no, no. I mean, no. it has... So, no. <laughs> it no. used to be even bigger of a deal. Um, they used to have, like, a big, like, festival around it and, like, a parade and stuff. Now it's just, like, the ball, basically, where there's still a ton of people gathered in a big venue. Are you going to list like, some notables who've gone to this? Uh, Yeah, yeah, I will. Cool. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit first about, like, its origin and stuff. Cool, I okay. want to know. So after... Th- this has to be creepy, I bet. <laughs> I mean, I think cotillion balls are creepy enough what to is begin. Ca- what is or a like cotillion ball debutante balls where like young women are like presented to oh, society oh, and oh, stuff oh. like yeah. you're you're this is now an eligible bachelorette i don't know that's what this is basically like rich people they like show off their hot daughters it's mainly about the daughters not the guy who wears well, it's the both. veil yeah the guy who wears the veil is i mean he's he like presides over the whole thing he's the the, so it's uh, kind of like a weird beauty pageant. Sort of, yeah. For mm-hmm. <laughs> back in the day. And then yeah. it just kind of carried over. This is weird. Okay, so after the Civil War, uh, St. Louis wasn't doing so hot. Okay. Um, so as with the rest of the South, the city's economy was in a depression, and it was quickly being overtaken by Chicago as the Midwest's hub for industry and trade. Huh. Go Chicago. Huh. Go Chicago. <laughs> Uh, but in 1878, a rich grain merchant named Charles E. Slayback and his brother Alonzo Slayback, <laughs> uh, they had, they had an idea to like save St. Louis. He, Slayback had been drafted as a cavalryman, a little background on him. He'd, he'd, he'd been drafted into the military as a cavalryman for the Confederacy during the Civil War for the, um, though he never actually saw any fighting because he was able to hire a substitute to go in his place. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> that you could do that back then. That's crazy. You could, both the North and the South, uh, you could hire someone. If you got drafted, you could hire a substitute to go in your place. <laughs> oh. If you ever get uh, drafted. Uh-huh. Which won't happen. Right. But if you ever did, would you just run away from it? I think yeah, we've I'm discussed it. Dodging that shit. I think we've discussed shit. this on this <laughs> podcast. I know we've discussed this before. Dodging the draft is the only cool thing Donald Trump has ever done. <laughs> it's the only, <laughs> the only good decision he's ever made. It's <laughs> uh, so funny. Yeah, so you'd run away? Sure. I think we've talked about this because then I said I'd run away with you. Yeah, I'm sure we've talked about this. On here? I don't know about on here. I think we've talked about this on here. I, I bet. Okay. Uh, okay. Anyway, so Slayback, you know, he he had lived, so he had just moved to St. Louis a few years earlier, this, um, in like 1875, 1874, mm-hmm. um, and he he'd moved there. He before then he'd lived in New Orleans, and he thought that if he could bring. You know, he, he remembered the Mardi Gras celebrations from New Orleans and stuff. And so he thought that if 
if they could make a similar celebration thing happen in St. Louis, it might help to like bring attention back there. And then along with that economic and like political power to St. Louis. Okay. Um, so they thought this ball would be a good idea. Uh, yeah, basically. So <laughs> he and 13 other Louisiana, St. Louisan men, uh, they dis- and they formed an org- organization that would put on like a big fair and a parade and a f- the ball and stuff. And then later in the year, they invited 200 more rich St. Louisan, St. Louisan. I got Louis- Louisiana on the brain too. <clears throat> so it's hard to read St. Louisan because Louisan looks like Louisiana a lot. Yeah, I always think you're saying St. Louisiana, and I'm like, <laughs> I, know. I don't understand. Okay, uh, so a bunch of like rich St. Louis guys yeah, got together and good. they decided to hold the first Veiled Prophet Fair in October of 1878, um, along with a parade. 1878. Yeah. Okay. Uh, along with a big parade and, of course, the ball. Do where... you think they threw candy at this parade? I love parades that throw candy. <laughs> but I also think, is that just a Delavan thing? But then I remember like other temp. Ta- is it just like a central Illinois thing where they throw candy at no, people? I, I think that happens. At, that's a real thing, right? Yeah, that's, that's a normal parade thing. Great. Throwing candy. Because I feel like sometimes in Chicago I'll see candy remnants. <laughs> is that the right word? Candy remnants. Yeah, I don't, I don't. From the from parades, <laughs> I love parades. I know it's free candy and free entertainment. It's yeah, fun. It is fun. Just like it. I've never been to the St. Patrick's Day parade here, though. <laughs> I've been down there when it's happening uh-huh. and it's miserable. <laughs> I've been downtown when St. Patrick's Day is mm-hmm. in full swing. At noon. Right. And it's miserable. <laughs> yeah, it's no It's fun. miserable to be on the train with those people. <laughs> so I've never been. Yeah. Well, th- okay. Sorry, the, continue. The, I mean, their parade, I mean, was supposed to be fun for mm-hmm. them, but it was also more to like, you know, show show the people of St. Louis who was in charge. You, Do you know? think they had candy? I don't know. I, I don't know if they had candy. I know I'm that- I'm going to say- Yes. They had like floats <laughs> depicting like, floats. I think the, the theme of the parade was like progress and mysticism or something. They had floats like depicting what? like the growth of like society and how much, how great it was, like how it started out with like a cold and desolate earth and now how through like unchecked capitalism and the genius of these rich guys <laughs> there. Now the world was such a great and like, the Gilded Age was such a great time for everybody, and like everything was so wonderful because of the, all these rich dudes. What uh, the hell? So okay, <laughs> this <laughs> is weird. Uh, okay, so they decided to hold the Veiled Prophet Fair in October of 1878, along with the parade and the ball, where the members would debut their daughters, or five of the members would. Uh, they took the That's name. Really gross, but okay. Mm-hmm. They took the name and inspiration for the character from a poem by the Irish poet Thomas More called "The Story of the Veiled Prophet of Corasan." I was going to ask, who's the Veiled Prophet of Corasan? I don't uh-huh. understand what that is. I mean, it's sort of just a character that they made up, but they took certain aspects of it and the name from this poem, basically. Uh, So they took from the poem that the character is a wealthy man from the East who is rewarded with opulent receptions wherever he goes. Um, So he has to be wealthy and from the 
east. Well, that's just to like win the, this thing. No, no, it's not really. It's not like a winning thing. To with be the, nominated. The, yeah, they just uh, uh, the process is like the process for they they pick. It basically rotates through the members. Basically, I don't. Oh. Uh, the process so you, is sort of is, is a secret for how it's chosen, but uh, every year it's a different member of their organization. Okay, so mm-hmm. they're like, this guy looks fine, but you have to be rich to be in the club, right? right? Yeah, you have to be like a to rich, be a member, like St. Louis businessman. What a weird, <laughs> strange. <laughs> uh, and so, so yeah, they took that, like, you know, and this is like about the. The persona of the prophet, like the character, mm-hmm. um, they took that, um, and the, but then they added on to that that uh, um, he's like <laughs> supposed to be like a benevolent ruler over St. Louis. He's a beloved des he's a beloved despot, uh, evasive but real, who ro- rules with an iron hand encased in velvet, according <laughs> to a 1928 book. That the organization uh, distributed. No, I hate that. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's so weird. He's like he's an avatar for this. He's for the sense of like superiority and like authority uh, that the members of the VP organization feel over you know those who they see as beneath them. So over all the common people, they have the plebes. You know, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Which is sort of ironic given i mean the original poem about the veiled prophet of Khorasan is is about like the about thomas more's like disappointment that the egalitarian goals of the french revolution like ultimately failed and stuff and like the prophet in the poem is a false prophet with who and the veil is to hide his like hideously disfigured face and he's like a d- degenerate thug and like a rapist and stuff and so but they i think they i mean they just Why took did they pick this poem oh, it was a it was a really it came from a really popular book of poems in like the 1800s um he was okay. i guess and so i don't know and it had <laughs> characteristics that they thought seemed cool i think a veil he wears a veil he wears a veil <laughs> so they uh, uh, they're like, oh, that would be cool he's if we can ruler. have a person. Yeah, he's a, a yeah a rich and powerful guy, supposedly who gets like an opulent ball thrown for him everywhere he goes. And so they're like, let's have St. Louis be his home base, and he has a big thing there every year. Okay. <laughs> Basically, um, yeah. So the first illustration of the veiled prophet released by the group shows him in an all-white gown wearing a pointed hat and a what? mask sort of like what? a uh, kkk outfit. yeah i was yeah. like picturing that I'm why sure that's not accidental <gasps> oh my god <laughs> i mean they they of course didn't let jewish or black members into the group until 1979 <laughs> um no. so he's wearing that no. and in each hand he has He's wielding a shotgun and, in the other hand, a pistol. No, no. Oh, this is so bad. Oh, I want to see this yeah, picture. Let me, does it let me look bring it like? Up real quick. Does it look like a KKK robe? Yeah, it sort of does. <gasps> it looks just like one. I know. Holy frick! This is insane. <laughs> yeah. Well, but later, later incarnations <sighs> of the character have him. That 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 was only like the first 
uh, illustration of him. The next one that they put out in 1883 have him just looking like oh, he's on like a, like a wizard dragon. Yeah, he looks like some kind of like, yeah, wizard, like wizard or like a, a cross between like a Norse god and the Pope or something. Wearing like big like flowing robes with like yeah. jewels and furs and a like, big wizard, a big bejeweled R- crown, riding stuff, a dragon, which is more similar to how he like appears where's the veil there's person. no veil on him yeah and those well i mean he's yeah just, it is you can like you can just see through it no that's that's not a great high resolution image and this one you can see that there's a veil but you can see through that veil here's like a photograph of oh. one of the uh it's the just a lace veil <laughs> oh man they also have really dumb cheap the other people have cheap fake beards on yeah. Why do they have rainbow on their hats? I don't know. It's all do really... Do they know what that means? <laughs> this I, is weird. I don't like that. It's all really like gaudy and tacky. And yeah, like... it is really tacky. <laughs> because it's bad. rich people, money can't buy taste, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry. Where was I? <laughs> okay. Uh, but it wasn't just the economic factor that led them to create the fair. Um Perhaps more fundamentally, the VP activities were a response to growing labor unrest in the city, much of it involving cooperation between white and black workers. So they saw that um, a year before the founding of the uh, a year before the founding of the Order of the Veiled Prophet was the Great Railroad Strike of 1877, mm-hmm. uh, in which railroad workers across the country brought cars to. Brought cars to a halt in protest over abominable pay and working conditions. Um, in St. Louis, nearly 1,500 striking workers, both black and white, brought all rail freight to a standstill for an entire week. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the involvement of the St. Louis Working Man's Party eventually expanded their demands of the, um, to include things like a ban on child, child labor and an eight-hour workday. Um, but of course this was, um, you know, not acceptable to the uh, powers there. Mm-hmm. And so the strike eventually ended when 5,000 recently deputized special police aided federal troops in forcing the strikers to disperse. Oh 18 God. strikers were killed. Uh, the strike ended nationally within 45 days. And so the primary, the, the primary goal of these events was more more so to just take back the public stage from the like the populist demands for like social and economic justice um and more you know more than just a gaudy more than just gaudy floats traversing the city streets the parade and all that was meant to reinforce the values of the elite on the working class of the city mm-hmm. uh, you know to yeah, remind them who was in charge, that, like, we have all the power and all the money, and you can't do shit about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, and the, the part of part of their, like, scheduling it of it and the route that it was was to, like, displace parades that, like, the labor unions and, unions and stuff would put on. Mm-hmm. And then for a long time afterward, the unions would still, like, hold parades that would, like, specifically, like, mock the, like... Uh, the uh, VP stuff, the Veiled Prophet parade and balls and things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and oh, also, um, people would buy like pea shooters out of stores like beforehand, and they'd like shoot 
little pellets that all the, the floats and stuff. <laughs> Pea shooters? Yeah. That's little, funny. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like uh, stores would like stock up on them before the like v- <laughs> the Veiled Prophet parade so and stuff was going to happen. So it became kind of a joke? Sort of a joke. I mean, some people were like into it. They're like, hey, this is cool. I can sort of. And there's all this fancy stuff going on. I can sort of like live vicariously through that. But then other like activists and stuff were like, this is terrible. These people. Pea shooters. Yeah. Were they the pea shooter people? Yeah. I mean. <laughs> cool. I, I would be de- one with a pea shooter. It depends, uh, you know, how, if you're, I don't know, in a union or not. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, that's basically how it has continued for the past 130 years as a, uh, as a display of wealth and power by like the wealthy people of St. Louis, um, eventually the ball and the the ball and the parade slash fair were like separated. Mm. So the ball was moved to December, and then they had the fair and the parade around Independence Day. Um, and then in 1992, the the fair was renamed Fair St. Louis. <laughs> Oof. Because people didn't like, you know, s- public funds going toward uh, a the private organization's profit. thing. Yeah. <laughs> failed profit fair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, let's see, what else do I have? Uh, only twice has the identity of the Veiled Prophet at the ball been revealed. Oh, no one knows who the Veiled Prophet is? Yeah, yeah. Oh. So that's the whole point of it, is that you're like, you never know who it is, and you never will know. It's just a, you know, a person Weird. behind a veil who is the leader. That's creepy. Mm-hmm. And so the first, the first ever prophet was revealed intentionally by the organization, like after the fact. And that one was the police commissioner, John G. Priest of St. Louis. Oh, God. Who had played a leading role in, like, in breaking up the strikes the year before. Yeah. And then the second one to be unmasked, that happened in 1972. And uh, that year, the ball was targeted by a protest organized by civil rights activist Percy Green. And his organization, Action. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the ball that year took place in the cavernous Keel Auditorium. Uh, it was just a huge like arena in St. Louis or auditorium uh, where they had tons of concerts and stuffs. Uh, so while the veiled prophet of Khorasan was sitting on his throne, activist Gina Scott slid down from the ceiling on a <gasps> power cable yes! in the middle of everything and ripped away the <gasps> veil. Revi- <laughs> Revealing the that is so e- cool. Executive vice president of Monsanto, T- Tom K. Oh, Smith. Ew. <laughs> okay. Monsanto. Yeah. And now, following following the incident, Scott's car was bombed and her house was vandalized. <gasps> oh shit! Because that was a big, big, big no-no. Um, that is the coolest thing I've ever heard, though. <laughs> Yeah. Rip the veil off. Mm-hmm. So the the veiled prophet organization, yeah, it's it claims to be like a a civic organization that's you know supposed to like promote St. Louis and businesses and like help show off. I don't know. Uh, or like it it picks a uh, every year mm, recognizes the. Uh, bah, 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 the success of one college-aged young woman to recognize, um, but really, 
all it is is just a a club for all these rich people to like give each other jobs and like <laughs> give all their kids jobs and like let uh, you know collude to fix prices or what have you and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, that's um, real gross. A, if you asked about um, yeah, attendees. Yeah, are there any like creepy conspiracies that go along with this thing, or well, is it just so a creepy event? It's so there are there. I mean, there are plenty of conspiracies about like uh, the group that you know. It's like a. It's. The, I mean, there are conspiracies about any secret society, really. Well, yeah. <laughs> and this That's one the fun has. Part. This one has an inordinate amount of power. I don't know of any specific ones. I well, actually, I know that. Um, do you know the actress Ellie Kemper? Yeah. Star of, um, I don't know, she was on The Office and Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Mm-hmm. So she, in 1999, was crowned the uh, <gasps> queen of love and beauty. No. And so I mean, Ew. people. So people say that 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 the reason she has her acting career is just because, you know, Probably. her parents or, or her, her dad is part of this uh, organization of rich, just because he's a rich dude, part of this secret organization who can pull strings. Yeah. Um, let's see. Let's see. Uh, uh, there, was, there was another one I was going to talk about. She... Do, 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 do. Oh, yeah. Um... So in 1928, a woman called Mary Ambrose Smith was selected as queen. Um, but then mm-hmm. later it was found out that she was, that a few days before she had secretly married Dr. Thomas Birdsall a few days before the event, um, violating the rule that the queen of love and beauty must be a maiden. Oh. In a 1979 interview with the St. Louis Times, uh, Smith recalled how the veiled prophet gave her traveling money and told her to be gone. Don't register at any large hotels and don't use your real name. Uh, Smith was made to feel she disgraced her family. None of her friends stuck by her. She was told she could not visit their houses. She was never invited to another VP ball. Her pic- picture was removed from the collection of Queen's portraits at the Missouri Historical Society, and her name was deleted from the social register. So she got married before she was crowned or something? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they, like, os- totally uh, uh, ostracized her from society and stuff. That's insane. hmm Those are the only two, like, really at all notable um, queens or anything. The rest of them are just, like, daughters of, you know, rich, uh, rich, terrible white guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me see. Yeah, that's about, that's about it. Um, I just, uh, thought, I don't know, I just heard about it earlier today and I, uh, wanted to look into it more. Yeah, it seemed creepy. like it was a, uh, interesting, uh, concept and a good illustration of the, uh, <laughs> the fact that all the, like, rich and powerful people in society are also insanely dorky and stupid and are, like, seduced by these... I don't know, just big parties with like fancy costumes and stupid get-ups and stuff. Yeah, it's really dumb. Look at the pictures. It's <laughs> yeah, really Yeah, we'll put some stupid. on the Facebook and Instagram pages when this comes up. Mm-hmm. This is, it's really dumb looking. Really tacky. <laughs> Sorry, I have a knot in my hair. I'm trying to get out. Ugh. Uh, okay, uh, we can move on if you want. <laughs> 
Okay. Alright, I'll get on to mine. Cool. So, I am doing... Uh, I'm going to talk about, I should say, spontaneous human combustion. Oh, cool. I, th- I thought about doing that this week, too. Mm-hmm. And the odd death of Mary Reeser. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Okay, so, spontaneous human combustion refers to the death from a fire originating without an apparent external source of ignition. The fire is believed to start within the body of the victim. This idea and the term spontaneous human combustion were both first proposed in 1746 by Paul Raleigh in an article published in the Philosophical Transactions concerning the mysterious death of Countess Cornelia Zangari Bondi. Writing the British, writing in the British Medical Journal in 1938, Coroner Gavin Thurston described the phenomenon as having, quote, apparently attracted the attention not only of the medical profession, but of the laity 100 (laughs) years. Is that how you say that? I don't know what, I don't know. Laity 100 years ago, end quote, referring to a fictional account published in 1834 in the Frederick Marriott Cycle. Okay. In his 1995 book, Ablaze, Larry E. Arnold wrote that there had been about 200 cited reports of spontaneous human combustion worldwide over a period of around 300 years. Hmm. So that's kind of a definition okay, and kind of a background. So, so I'm going to go into Mary Reeser's odd death, and then I'm going to kind of talk about the weird circumstances of it. Okay. And then I'm going to go into possible theories as to why spontaneous combustion either exists or doesn't exist okay 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 what what's your what's your thought about spontaneous human combustion i don't think that it happens (laughs) on july 2nd 1951 at about 8 a.m reeser's landlady pansy carpenter arrived at reeser's door with a telegram Trying to open the door, she found that the metal doorknob was too hot to touch, uh, so she called the police. <laughs> hmm. uh, Reeser's remains, were, which were largely ashes, were found among the remains of a chair in which she had been sitting. Only part of her left foot, which was still wearing a slipper, and her backbone remained, along with her skull. Plastic household objects at a distance from the seat of the fire were softened and had lost their shape. Mm-hmm. But a stack of nearby newspapers were untouched. Mm-hmm. So the things, so things around it melted, mm-hmm. but nothing caught fire. But nothing else caught on fire. No, just her, her. Just her. Just did the her. chair? Was the chair burned at all? Um, what did I? We found among the remains of a chair. We found among the remains of a chair. Among the remains of a chair. So yeah, it sounds I think like the part chair of the burned chair too. burned. Yeah. yeah. But there was still, like, the... Yeah. Um, Reeser's skull had survived and was found among the ashes, but Mm -hmm. it was shrunken to the size of a teacup. (laughs) Oh. Maybe Um, she just had a really small skull. No, so the extent of this shrinkage was enough to be remarked on by official investigators and was not an illusion caused by the removal of all facial features, ears, nose, lips, etc. The shrinking of the skull is not a regular feature of alleged cases of 
spontaneous human combustion, although the shrunken skull claim has become a regular feature of anecdotal accounts of other SHC cases in numerous... I don't know what that is. Apocryphal? Apocryphal stories. Um, So so basically they got to her apartment Mm -hmm. and they found this burned up body with part of a backbone left. So her whole body was ash, except for a piece of an ash, a piece of a backbone, a shrunken skull, like the size of like a little teacup. Right. And then a foot, a foot that has not been touched. Like it was perfectly fine. (laughs) Like gross. Very strange. Yes. So yeah. On July 7th, 1951, St. Petersburg Police Chief J.R. Reichert sent a box of evidence from the scene to FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover. Uh, He included glass fragments found in the ashes, six small objects thought to be teeth, and a section of the carpet and the surviving shoe. Mm. Even though the body was, like, totally cremated, requiring very high temperatures, the room in which it occurred showed little evidence of fire. Mm. So... I have a little bit more about that in a second. So, uh, Reichart included a note saying, quote, We request any information or theories that could explain how a human body could be so destroyed and the fire confined to such a small area and so little damage done to the structure of the building and the furniture in the room, not even scorched or damaged by smoke. Mm -hmm. The FBI eventually declared that Reeser had been incarcerated, no, incinerated. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Incinerated by the Wick effect, which I'll talk about more later as well in a theory of what really happens when spontaneous human combustion happens, but not really. Um, As she was known, as she was a known user of sleeping pills, they hypothesized that she had fallen unconscious while smoking and set fire to her nightclothes. Quote, once the body starts to burn, there is enough fat and other inflammable substances to prevent varying amounts of destruction to take place. Sometimes this destruction by burning will proceed to a degree which results in almost complete combustion of the body. That's that's what I think happened. Well, so it's weird because when they found her body, they said it was 3,500 degrees. Mm -hmm. So, and then cremation experts on the scene Mm -hmm. said that um, for a body to be cremated as hers was, Mm -hmm. the body needs to burn at at least 3,000 degrees and they said hers was at least 3,500 degrees Fahrenheit or for more okay or more Mm -hmm. for at least three to four hours okay Uh, so that had to so this body is burning at 3,500 degrees Fahrenheit for Mm -hmm. probably about four hours because it needs to be three or four plus hours at least. Like it's like at least three or four hours. And because it has to be super, super hot. Mm -hmm. Like have you ever heard of like killers, like murderers trying to burn the body and then it burns for hours and it's still not at all like cremated because it takes forever to cremate like Mm. bones. Mm. Sure. Makes like sense. forever, like it has to be bet. a super like hot temperature. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's strange that Mary's yeah. surroundings and the rest of the room slash apartment was unaffected from this fire that was thirty five hundred degrees and 
Right. So burning was, for three to four hours. So her remains, like the ashes and stuff, were still 3,500 degrees when they found her? I guess so. Okay. So, yay. Um, I think I talk about it later, but the firefighters on the scene that come in uh-huh. say that the heat was so unbearable in the room that they had mm. to leave and air it out. Hmm. So okay. firefighters couldn't handle the fire. Couldn't handle the heat. The after fire heat. So it was that hot. Hmm. So uh, so paint wasn't scorched or cracked. Okay. Uh, nearby candlesticks had melted completely, but the wick was untouched and still standing. Mm-hmm. So, like, it was really hot in the room, so obviously the wax melted, right, but it did but not catch fire. Ignite. No. Uh-huh. Um, the firemen, yeah, on the scene said it was so hot and, like, too intense for them they had to leave. Yeah. Um, but, like, it still didn't really damage any of her apartment. Like, it wasn't, you could, there was no, nothing else caught on fire except for her body. Weird. But how come... It was three to four hours of burning a giant, large person. Not a giant, a person in a chair. Mm-hmm. And the heat damaged things. The heat, like, melted things. Hmm. But nothing else caught on fire. Very strange. That's weird, right? That is weird. Um, so, yeah. So <laughs> I just don't understand. And her foot didn't burn. Yeah, that's weird. Her foot fell off. (laughs) Yeah. And her skull shrunk. I just want to know what that's about. When (laughs) I I read stuff about that's very uncommon, and usually when heat like that happens for a long period of time, like like four hours of intense burning, it'll just like either, you know, disintegrate or it'll expand and explode. Huh. But this one didn't do either of those. They've never seen one shrink. Weird. Yeah. Um, and in Mary's case and in many cases of spontaneous human combustions, there's no sign of them realizing at any time that they were on fire. Mm-hmm. So, like, she was just sitting in her chair. Right. And she obviously didn't move because nothing else caught on fire. Mm-hmm. And she was just sitting. Like, it was just her in the chair <laughs> yeah. in the corner. And the only thing that burned was like her body mm-hmm. and then parts of the chair that she was right. on. Maybe she was already dead when she started burning. Yeah, but why? Because she overdosed on sleeping pills. I, see, someone said that, but then like, I just, I don't know. That seems, so everyone that this happens to, they have to be dead first. I'm just talking about this one specific instance. I know. I just think it's strange. But why yeah. did her little skull shrink? That's what I want to know. I, that's if weird, too. If it burned too. for four hours, it's going to explode. <laughs> it's not going to shrink. I, yeah, sure. I, yeah. So well, I just don't understand. I don't know either. Why? But wouldn't she notice? You think she died? So her son well, I'll give you, okay. was a doctor. And prescribed her these sleeping pills. Okay. And so they were just like, I mean, I guess she could have. Maybe. But she told her son she had taken two earlier and that she was going to take two before she went to bed. And he was like, okay. Well, maybe she took more than two. Maybe she intentionally killed herself. Maybe. 
I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying weird in all in it most weird. cases of spontaneous human combustion, there's no sign of them like moving after they catch on fire. Sure. Yeah, no. So most people think she fell asleep mm-hmm. or she was like drunk. Right. So she didn't realize it. But mm-hmm. if I'm asleep or very drunk, I think I would notice if I was on fire. Yeah, that's why I think she died. Yeah, but then I have to think that all cases, all 200 cases like this, they have to be dead before it happens. Yeah, but like, so even if she just does instantaneously become engulfed in flames, that's not going to kill her instantly. No matter what, she's going to move around. If if it starts from the inside, your guts explode, you're going to die. You're going to die before you have any chance to move around at all? Yeah, because it's like exploding. I guess. You're like, your insides are like. Okay. And it, okay. So your whole body would just engulf in flames, and then it, it's more of like an instant thing mm-hmm. that happens. Okay. Like less of you're on fire for a long time. Uh-huh. And like, I guess, yeah, but I, like, you're going to explode and then catch on fire. I see. Okay. But then it's not going to burn for very long because it's like a right. kind of explode. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Sure. But then, in that case, why isn't there, like, why is the ash all in a pile? Why isn't it, like, strewn around the room if there's an explosion? Does does it, like, literally, because, yeah, if it's, like, instantaneous, it's, like, a literal explosion. Like, so then why isn't it, like, more scattered around the room? I don't know. Maybe it burns for a very long time. Yeah, I don't know. I'm confused now. No. What, what what do you have next in your script? Um, so the company that made the chair she was sitting on actually commented on okay. this <laughs> and said that the the chair those are the important people to weigh in. Yeah, I know. They commented on how the fabric and materials in the chair would not start a fire like that. It would simply smolder for a bit and then go out. So there's no way she I mean, dropped fire on the chair and then the chair caught on. So she would have had to start burning sure. the the chair catching on fire wouldn't have caught her on fire okay. is what they're saying and then electrical fire was ruled out at the scene mm-hmm. so there was no apparent start of the fire mm-hmm. people said earlier they had seen her sitting in her chair from a window smoking a cigarette uh-huh so i guess she could have been smoking before she went to bed mm-hmm. but i'm just saying if a cigarette lands on you even if you have sleeping pills in your system and you're not dead, let's mm-hmm. say, you're going to wake up if your whole body is on fire. Yeah, I okay. agree. I agree. Um, so Maybe. here's some, I have some quotes from this man. What man? Physical anthropologist Wilton M. Krogman. Oh, that man. Professor Krogman of the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine. So he spent some time in the 1930s experimenting and examining the remains of such incidents in order to aid in the detection of crimes. Mm -hmm. So in a night, and the FBI frequently brought him in on weird cases like this so he could, uh, you know, say what he thought. So in 1961 article for the general magazine and history chronicle of the university of Pennsylvania, Krogman wrote extensively about the research case. His remarks included, quote, I find it hard to believe that a human body, once ignited, will literally consume itself, burn itself out, as does a candle wick, 
guttering in the last residual pool of melted wax. Just what, oh my god, what? Pool of melted wax. Just what did happen on the night of July 1st, 1951 in St. Petersburg, Florida? We may never know, though this case still haunts me. Um, with regard to Reeser's shrunken skull, uh-huh. Krogman wrote, quote, The head is not left complete in ordinary burning cases. Certainly it does not shrivel or symmetrically reduce to a smaller size. Mm-hmm. In presence of heat sufficient to destroy soft tissue, the skull would literally explode into many pieces. I have never known any exception to this rule. Krogman concluded, Quote, I cannot conceive of such complete cremation without more burning of the apartment itself. In fact, the apartment and everything in it should have been consumed. I regard it as the most amazing thing I have ever seen. As I review it, the short hairs on my neck bristle with vague fear. Were I living in the Middle Ages, I'd mutter something of about black magic. End quote. Mm-hmm. Okay, but this guy yep. later... Having put his statement on the record, Krogman moved away from this position. Okay. He instead put forward the theory that Reeser had been murdered at another location. Uh-huh. Her murderer had access to crematorium-type equipment and yeah. had incinerated her body. The hypothetical murder had been transported, had then transported the results of the partial cremation back to the apartment and used portable heating generating equipment to add the finishing touches to the apartment. Yeah. Such as the heat buckled plastic objects and the warm doorknob. That's what I, that was going to be my second theory. I don't. That is some bull. I, that is not. No. That's so dumb. And then that's how. That's so much work. They, then the the murderer like doesn't know science, so that's why they brought like the they they <laughs> never did they ever do any like testing to see if the skull was actually hers. How would they? Yeah, they know it was hers. How do they know that? They tested it to see if it was hers. How? This is the twenties or thirties, right? No, this is the fifties. Well, that's and still before they did DNA more stuff testing. Seventies. I mean. That's still, like, pre-DNA testing stuff. So they can't, like... So they went and got a baby skull and put it in the... They just got a... Yeah, like, a a skull shrunken by some other means. I don't know. what? (laughs) Okay. Because the... Whoever murdered her wanted to make it look like spontaneous combustion, but they didn't know that the skull normally explodes. (laughs) And so they just got... They are like, maybe it shrinks. And so they just got, like, a extra little small skull from somewhere. How does he have access to crematorium type equipment? He's in the mob. Oh shit. This old woman was in the mob. Yeah. Probably. Sure she witnessed something that mob related. I don't think this is real. Okay so let me get into some explanations. Yeah. This is called natural explanations as in I think they've been proven somewhat Proven to be possible, or yeah, like proven to it's be not possible, le- or theoretically scientifically possible. Okay. Then there's like a few that are like that haven't exactly been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The ones that you believe. No, there's some good ones in this one because there's some that are like, yes, it could. This is how spontaneous human combustion happens. Okay. And then there's some that are like, no, this is what happens. The body doesn't just spontaneously combust. Okay. Okay. So I think you'll like these because there's a mix of both. Okay. 
So, the first one. Almost all postulated cases of SHC involve persons with low mobility due to advanced age or obesity, or obesity along with poor health. Victims show a high likelihood of having died in their sleep or of being unable to move once they had caught fire. Yes. So, it's usually... So, I forgot. It's usually old ladies. Okay. It's usually old women mm-hmm. that this happens to. Okay. Two, cigarettes are often seen as the source of fire, as the improper disposal of smoking materials causes one in every four fire, one every four fire deaths in the United States. Natural causes such as heart attacks may lead to the victim dying, subsequently dropping the cigarette, which after a period of smoldering can ignite the victim's clothes. Makes sense. So the wick effect, this is what they decided she died from mm-hmm. and most most of them are determined as the wick effect so i'll explain it right okay the wick effect hypothesis suggests that a small external flame source such as a burning cigarette mm-hmm. chars the clothing of the victim at at a location splitting mm-hmm. the skin and releasing subcutaneous subcutaneous so i um, i said it kind of right yeah. subcutaneous fat which is to turn which is in turn absorbed into the burned clothing acting as a wick. Mm-hmm. This combustion can continue for as long as the fuel is available. This hypothesis has been successfully tested with pig tissue and is consistent with evidence recovered from cases of human combustion. The human body typically has enough stored energy in fat and other chemical stores to fully combust the body. Even lean people have several pounds of fat in their tissues. Mm -hmm. This fat, once heated by the burning clothes, Mm -hmm. wicks into the clothing much as a candle wax, which originally was typically made of animal fat. Mm -hmm. Wicks into a lit candle wick, wicks into a lit candle wick to provide the fuel needed to keep the wick burning. The protein in the body also burns, but provides less energy than fat, with Mm -hmm. the water in the body being the main Impediment, impediment, okay. <laughs> impediment to combustion. However, slow combustion. So basically, they're like, yeah, this makes sense, except for the water in the body makes that hard to believe. Well, but I mean, however, slow combustion lasting hours gives the water time to evaporate slowly. Right. In an enclosed area such as a house, this moisture will recondense nearby, possibly on windows. Feet don't typically burn because they often have the least fat, so Mm. hands also have little fat, but may burn if resting on the abdomen, which provides all of the necessary fat for combustion. Oh, my heart, heart attack, and so they're already up there. Or they're sleeping. Or they're sleeping, yeah. So, like, their whole body, but, like, why isn't everything else in the apartment burning? Well, because it burns, it, like, burns very... It burns slowly mm-hmm. over a long period of time, so it doesn't have to reach, I guess, maybe as high of a temperature. That's true. And, and so it, the it's just burning the body and, like, the things, you know, like the chair that are, like, touching the body very, like, over long, over hours. The feet fall off. And then the feet fall off. In a lot of cases, the feet and the hands will fall off. Most cases of spontaneous human combustion, the hands and feet will fall off. Yeah, so this... But this... This... Uh, you have to have it's not spontaneous human combustion right. it's there's an external it's, flame source of yeah. some kind i mean people saw her smoking so she 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 dies she drops a cigarette what about people who have seen people burst into flames but don't have a 
external flame around them. Well, I think that those aren't true. <sighs> You're no fun. <laughs> I know. That was long, but I yeah, think it makes sense. That Basically, seems the, the most... body fat will yeah, burn. That seems like the, I mean, that seems, I mean, they said that they've like reproduced that effect with pig flesh and stuff. Yeah, so. but why aren't they moving around? Because they're already dead. All right. That means or they have they're to already, already dead, dead or they can't. That's what it said. They're like, these are typically old people or people who are unable to move. What about young people who Does that have happen? been seen in public burst into flames? Uh, That's a thing. Can you show me examples or name examples? If you exam- go to the if you go to the Wikipedia page, now hang on. Okay. Go to the sources list. There's a website that has all 200 cases in chronological order of spontaneous human combustion. Okay. And uh, you can read them all. Okay. Well, those might be other situations, but I'm still I'm skeptical I'm A skeptical that they're real or B skeptical that it's actually spontaneous. All right. So Brian J. Ford has suggested that, what's this word? Ketosis? Yeah. Ketosis, possibly caused by alcoholism or low-carb dieting, produces acetone, which is highly flammable and could therefore lead to apparently spontaneous combustion. Oh, so if you're on the keto diet, you're especially susceptible to mm-hmm. spontaneous combustion. Yeah. Oh. Acetone. Um... SHC can be confused sometimes with self-immolation. Is that Mm. how you say that? Yeah. As a form of suicide. In the West, self-immolation accounts for 1% of suicides, while Radford claims in developing countries the figure can be as high as 40%. Interesting. So it could just people, yeah. Well. It's a form of suicide. Or, I mean, I think he was saying that a lot of those suicides aren't actually suicide, and they're like, forms of spontaneous combustion i think that's what he's saying shc can be confused with self-immolation as a form of suicide yeah so he's saying that those suicides are actually spontaneous human combustion because people in the developing world would have a lower carb diet and so they're i didn't get that i was thinking the other way around okay that's why it's higher the percentage of self-immolation suicides is higher in elsewhere in poorer countries Right. Sometimes there are reasonable explanations for the deaths, but proponents ignore official autopsies and contradictory evidence in favor of anecdotal accounts and personal testimonies. Like you. Ah. I, I tried to bite his finger when he pointed to me. That was that noise. She's a maniac. Shit. Get her away from me. So next one. Mast She's going to light cell- me on fire and claim that it was <laughs> spontaneous. <laughs> Mast cell researcher Lawrence Afrin, M.D., posits that a rare condition called mast cell activation syndrome, or or MCAS, may be the cause of the phenomenon. Okay. In MCAS, mast cells spontaneously release over 200 inflammatory molecules known as mediators, including the substance norepinephrine. Afrin describes a case report of a man with MCAS who grew ill and appeared to smoke in the presence of several witnesses. Afrin writes that the release of large amounts of norepinephrine 
Or perhaps, do you know what this word is? Uh, norepinephrine. Norepinephrine. Or perhaps another mast cell-derived substance could turn on a regulatory protein called UCP1 in greater than normal amounts. UCP1 causes adipose oxidation to be released as heat. Adipose tissue is a known respiratory... Did I say this wrong? No, no, no. Adipose tissue is a known respiratory repository... That's what you laughed at. Repository of mast cells. Under the right circumstances, a sudden flood of norepinephrine released from (laughs) adipose mast cells could activate the UCP1 switch and cause heat generation in excess of 90 degrees Celsius. Once the adipose tissue were ignited, it would, in theory, burn itself out, inclusive of bone marrow. I don't understand that one, but I think it's true. Uh, well, I think that that's saying that there's, it's possible for... You can for, catch on fire from the inside, from your cells. It's like a come. A combination of like spontaneous combustion and the wick effect, where like you spun, like c- yeah, certain like combust, certain and then like you fry up certain cell. Yeah, basically, certain yeah. cells will like release. I get come come. Uh, oh, so that's the. Ex- I mean, that's kind of the external force, but not really. It's not external. Well, it's they'll just internal. for some reason release inflammatory, yeah, substances, and then it, it'll that'll lead your like fat stuff to like catch on fire basically or to catch stuff on fire so next british chemist dr john emsley suggests that cases of spontaneous human combustion could be the result of an overproduction of uh, pyrophoric liquid diff diff oh god (laughs) diffosphane in the gut Oh god, this is this was the worst possible topic I could pick. <laughs> he postulates that the self-combustion of uh this this would also result in ignition of the hydrogen and methane gases in the gut, which would explain witnessed cases where blue flames were seen to originate from the abdomen. Okay. Hydrogen burns with a pale blue flame. Can you explain that to me a little no, I don't know what that, that means. Wait, is he saying that like the gut will release hydrogen yeah, or something and then it'll ignite yeah. somehow? Mm-hmm. So, okay. yeah. So alternative theories, that's what we're going to go into now. Okay. Larry E. Arnold in his book, 1995, Ablaze, proposed a pseudoscientific new subatomic, su- yeah, subatomic particle, <laughs> which he called... Pyrotron. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Arnold also wrote that the flammability of a human body could be increased by certain circumstances, like increased alcohol in the blood. He further proposed the extreme stress could be the trigger that starts many combustions. This process may use no external oxygen to spread throughout the body, since it may not be an oxidation-reduction reaction. However, no reaction mechanism has been proposed. Researcher John Nichol has criticized Arnold's hypothesis on based as based on selective evidence and argument from ignorance. Yeah, so he's just saying <laughs> there's a there, 
He is I'm getting tired of reading all these big words. I theorizing hate that there is a subatomic, a new subatomic particle that actual scientists have never discovered, called the pyrotron. Yeah. Okay, so, so I don't buy that one. I don't, I don't either. Okay. Uh, so in ni- in 1976, book Fire from Heaven. Okay. UK writer Michael Harrison suggests that SHC is connected to poltergeist activity. That sounds right to me. Yeah, because he argues, quote, the force which activates the poltergeist originates in and is supplied by a human being, end quote. Within the concluding summary, Harrison writes, quote, SHC, fatal or non-fatal, belongs to the extensive range of poltergeist phenomena. So he wrote a whole book about that? Yeah, I guess so. You don't don't need a whole book to explain the science of that. You can just say it's poltergeist. (laughs) And if if people are going to believe that, they're going to believe it. If they're not, they're not. (laughs) You don't need to write a book about it. (laughs) Uh, I think he does. So this is the last one. I think it's funny. Okay. Uh, John Abrahamson... (laughs) <laughs> suggested that ball lightning could account for spontaneous human combustion. Quote, this is circumstantial only, but the charring of human limbs seen in a number of ball lightning cases are very suggestive that this mechanism may also have occurred where people have had limbs combusted. End quote. So, ball lightning. So, there's actually a really funny... <laughs> Some guy <laughs> wrote into the police department like a few days after her death, uh-huh. Mary's death, and he wrote in, he said, I, <laughs> I seen a big ball of light come in through Mary's window and hit her. I seen it happen. Okay. That's what he wrote. <laughs> I just think it's really funny. <laughs> Maybe that's- This guy said, I seen a big ball of light come in through Mary's window. I'm surprised there's no uh, theory that it's like aliens or something zapping her with are. a. Because then it, that's why her skull shrinks. Ah, they zapped her with an alien ray that makes you burn up and also shrink your skull and your feet fall off. Yeah, they're experimenting on her. Okay, so what do you think happened? Mm, I want. To believe that some of them are spontaneous human combustion. I'm going to say most of them are the wick effect. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why her head shrunk. <laughs> and I don't understand why none of them move after they catch on fire. And I don't understand why the room doesn't catch on fire. Mm-hmm. Okay. So some, I don't understand a lot of things, but I'm going to say a lot of them are I'm going to say some of them are spontaneous human combustion, like when people just see people catch on fire. Okay. All I'm right. going to believe these people. My my I have I have three theories of what happened to Ms Mrs. Reese. Yeah, Reeser. Okay, so in Reeser, sorry. Reeser. Okay, so number 1, uh in order of like how much I believe them. Number 1, I think that it was uh, the wick effect kind of thing where she it just... It makes a lot of sense. And she died. She dropped a cigarette. She burned for several hours. And that's what you ended up with. And for some reason, I don't know, 
for some quirk of how she burned and made her skull the shrink. Skull shrink, which I don't understand. I yeah. don't think anyone does, but it could just be some weird thing that we just don't know. Well, I mean, the guy who said that the skull would explode, he was talking about gen- normal instances where people are burning bodies, and that's like where you're like you know throwing a body into a fire or something. That's true. So I can see that it, I I I I would buy that it m- would react differently if it were burning slowly over a long period of time, where any like. I don't know, moisture in the skull would like yeah, get burned I, out or something and then it would just contract. It um, also said so uh they there was uh, the heat affected like an outlet or something, so a clock stopped mm-hmm. and it stopped at like two thirty eight AM, so they think that's about the time she died. Right. So and the lady the landlord lady said she smelled a lot of smoke coming from her apartment at like 5 a.m., uh-huh. but didn't go to check on her till 8 a.m. Okay. And the doorknob was still hot, but they said she died probably around 2 a.m., so she was probably slowly burning from 2 a.m. Yeah. to like 8 p.m. Yeah, 8 p.m. the next day? 8 a.m., my oh, 8 bad, 8 a.m. Oh, okay. So that is a long time to burn. Yeah. Slowly. Would... Mm-hmm. I the, just, ugh, it's yeah. just kind of crazy. I don't know. It's crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Theory number two is that she was, she was murdered elsewhere, and then no, they made this it. is such a dumb theory. It is, yeah. That's over. That's <gasps> and then they made it look like spontaneous combustion. That's overly complicated. I think so overly complicated. <laughs> but possible, <laughs> or it was the sun. The sun prescribed her. Yeah. These sedatives. Oh. Apparently, they were sedatives that you give to patients before they have a surgery to calm them down. Oh. But she took them as like sleeping pills. Okay. Mm, he gave them to her as sleeping pills yeah, to maybe. calm her down and, you know. Maybe the son gave them to her knowing that it would cause her to combust. Or die. Or and die. then he caught her on fire. Yeah, that could he... be. Well, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Then my theory you think number. She th- had a heart attack and then dropped her cigarette. Yeah, so I think I... she fell asleep. Yeah, cigarette fell on her. She woke up. Her body was partly on fire. She has a heart attack because she's so freaked out, and then she can't move. Well, the, that's a, Is that pos- a possibility. Okay, yeah, that's. I I would say that's on equal footing as she died. Bef- uh, yeah, she yeah she, she died of something else and then burned up totally. Maybe she died while she was burning, but that still explains why she wouldn't move. Then my theory number three is that she was smoking and then she farted and was engulfed in a ball of flame. That's really funny. (laughs) I bet that happened. Actually, I bet it was that one. You know what I think? Yeah. I think it's the guy who seen the ball of light come in through her window. Sure. And got hit her. <laughs> I seen it happen. I seen it. <laughs> Sorry, that's mean, but I hate it when people say I seen it. Oh, I think it's fine. What? I don't care. I, I don't, don't like it. It bothers me. <laughs> I just uh, think it's funny that he's like, I seen it happen. I seen a big ball of light come in through. That was the aliens. Yeah. It was the aliens yeah. coming. Aliens shooting a ball of light in there and burning her up. They were trying to shrink her down. And then they realized, <laughs> damn it, she catches on fire first. Yeah. And then the only thing, all we got is a shrunken head skull. Yep. And then a foot. Yeah. <laughs> they were trying to create like a being with a tiny head and 
normal sized feet. <laughs> no, they were trying to zap her so she would. They because we're their to guinea shrink. pigs, you know. Yeah, of course. And they they were trying to zap her as like a shrink ray, a oh, shrink right. ray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they zap her as like an experiment, mm-hmm. and then her skull shrinks, but then she catches on fire. Oh, so and then like, she dies. <laughs> the shrink ray starts at her head. They're like, okay, it's going okay so far. And then she just bursts into flames. (laughs) That's the ball of light coming in through the window that the guy's seen. Right. And then they like, they come down just in time to like save her foot. (laughs) It's it's burning its way down her body. Then like, you know, there's not enough fat. So it just like cuts off the foot. fine. Or they're like, oh shit, we got to go in there and save it. And then they save her foot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they put out the rest of the fire. Maybe, maybe both of her feet actually survived, but the the aliens just took one of them as an experiment. Yeah, to do more experiments on. Mm-hmm. There's a really <laughs> creepy picture. There's another woman who like this happened to, uh-huh. and you can like her knee down didn't mm-hmm. burn, and the chair mm. is still there. Weird. So just the upper half of her body, but like it's. Like the chair is like obviously scorched, mm-hmm. and like it's black behind her with like fat from the body. Right, it's like fat drippings. It's gross, Ugh. and I don't want to see that. Yeah, no, and just the knee down to the foot is just perfectly intact, like sprawled. Like if she was sitting on a recliner. Uh-huh. Watch me. Okay, Carly's turning around, and now this she's. This is how her legs are. Okay, they're they're just they're leaning just... diagonally. Toward the ground. Okay. But only her legs are left on the chair. And it looks like she was, like, laying back. Uh-huh. It's really creepy because only her legs are left and everything else is ash. Very strange. It was creepy. Curious. It was weird. I didn't like it. <laughs> I wouldn't like it either. So that's all I have. Cool. The I'm last... sorry I picked this topic. I can't read words. <laughs> it No, I, I think it was interesting. Isn't it interesting? Yeah. I think spontaneous human combustion is real, but, you know, that's just me. I do. I think it's real. I I don't think so. I think it is. Yeah. I I bet you do. Hey. What? I believe it. Yeah. I don't believe it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What do you believe? Nothing. Nothing. Your life is no fun because you don't believe in anything. Yeah. It sucks. <laughs> okay, well, that's all I have. All right, I guess that's the end of the show. All right, bye everyone. Goodbye forever. Goodbye. <laughs> okay, do we have any final thoughts? Uh, we should try to put out another bonus episode this week. Yeah, I shouldn't say that so people aren't expecting <sighs> it, so that uh, if we don't do it, they won't be disappointed. But now we have to do it because. Mm-hmm. What's the bonus episode about? Jeffrey Epstein? It's possible. It's a continuation. We could do that. Also, it's my birthday on Friday, so send me emails and presents. (laughs) Send me presents, I swear to God. How about you want to send me a present? Okay. You tell me, okay? Yeah. Listeners, Uh you tell me. And then if enough people... If even one person is like that, I don't know. If I know you, I'll give you my address. If I don't know you, I will buy a P.O. box just for you and you can send it there. Okay. But if more than one person that I don't know wants to send me a present or a card, (laughs) 
deal. I'll get a P.O. box. I'll get on that. I don't think we said anything about it when it was my birthday. Did we have this <laughs> podcast during your birthday? Yeah, we started in October. Yeah, well, that was the very beginning. Now people know us and love us. <laughs> okay. So now they want to give me presents. That's uh, right. Just to let you know, I'm gluten-free, so if you want to send me cookies <laughs> or food, no wheat, no gluten. Or what you could do is tell us what you want to get get Carly for her birthday, and then just send us the money so that we can buy. It. You can Venmo me money. <laughs> I'll put my okay. Yeah, Venmo me money. Say this is your present, Carly, and like this is the Amazon URL, or this is the yeah. aisle to find it in at Target, and then send her the money to buy it herself. That's a really good idea. <laughs> That's, That's uh, a good idea. I'm putting my Venmo in this. Okay, Venmo in all the information so you can send me money. Okay. But if you want to send me a gift, I will not argue. I will let you send me a gift. <laughs> I will let you have that. Okay. You know, don't mm-hmm. hesitate. Reach out and say, hey, I want to send you a gift. And if I don't get a gift from you, I'm calling the police <laughs> because you're probably trying to steal my card information. Okay? So you actually, if you're going to steal my card info and use it to buy something, you need to also send me a freaking gift or you're getting the cops called on you. I mean, you could, you could, you, it would help this problem if you just didn't give people your, uh, your, Debit card in for number. Uh, yeah, I didn't give Emily my debit card number. <laughs> she stole it from me okay. somehow. Okay. Well, so we will know, I guess, now if, if anyone. <laughs> but I also don't want people showing up at our apartment. Yeah, I don't want that. I don't either. want creepy people coming to our apartment. That's the main thing I'm scared of. <laughs> yeah. So, so. But honestly, if you want to send me a birthday present, I'll give you my address. <laughs> Just let me know. Okay. Okay. Would you be comfortable with that, Harry? Sure. Why not? Or I'll buy a P.O. box. Either one. We'll figure it out. But send me presents. Okay. Thank you, everyone. I love you. I hope you love me, too. (laughs) You know what I've always wanted? A rock tumbler. (laughs) No one ever bought me. I wanted a rock tumbler as a child so bad, and my parents wouldn't buy me a rock tumbler because they said it takes too long to to shine the rocks and it's not worth it and i asked for it like every year and they never got me a freaking rock tumbler and neither has harry harry's never gotten me a rock tumbler (laughs) yeah well that's because i hate you whoa sorry so do my parents so (laughs) but they never got me a rock tumbler they're like they're too hard they're they're dumb they're not worth it so they just didn't get me one even though i really wanted it so if you want to send me a rock tumbler (laughs) Okay. I will give you my address and you can send me a rock tumbler. Sorry, it's been a really long week. Yeah. I'm going insane. <laughs> I could tumble rocks during this time. If someone would send me a freaking rock tumbler for my birthday. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Well, if I survive, I'll see you next week. <laughs> um, this is, I've been Harry. Um still carly and this has been known unknowns um (laughs) um, (laughs) this is when you say the same i know i can't think of anything um Uh, um um
Uh, um, you don't uh, have I any left? On the tip of my tongue, I had something. Oh, my no, God. No, I, I ran out of things in my list here. Um, um, uh, how about we do, um, what is it? What, what should I say? Um, I don't know. Uh, um, 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 uh, oh, gosh. Deleting oh, this. boy. Oh, <laughs> oh, darn. Um, I Hugs had something drugs. before. What? Have you ever said hugs, not drugs? I have never said hugs, not drugs. I think you should say hugs, not drugs. I've, in my life, I have never said hugs, not drugs. I had a sweatshirt once that said hugs, not drugs. Just say no to chemical weapons. Because it's weird out there. Bye. Bye. Bye.